0: All right, everybody, welcome into another edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast here for WEI and Odyssey Sports. We are back on our Thursday edition of the show, and instead of Andy Hart being here with one of the beat guys, it is me, Mike Cadlick, and I am joined by none other than Taylor Kyles from CLNS Media. Taylor, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Glad to be here, bud. Always good to talk to you.
0: Yeah. So, uh, what we're gonna do today is again, this is the the Beat Reporter edition of the uh, Thursday preview of Patriots vs. Bills. Um, want to try and take not a lighter approach, but sort of a thirty thousand foot view um, as the Patriots sit here at one and five. Uh, sort of season, season's over type vibes here. It's uh, <laughs> it's not good. It's not very fun. But uh, want to quick take a quick state of the Patriots. Um, As we sit here six weeks in, so we're going to do a quick uh, top four questions of, uh, as I'm reading it now off my notes, four questions of tops. So, top reason why the Patriots are 1-5, top positive of the season, uh, top trade candidate as we approach the NFL trade deadline in two weeks, and the top building block for this team moving forward. So, uh, Taylor, we will start with the top reason why the Patriots sit at 1-5. I want to get your thoughts
1: on it, and then I'll give mine. It's tough. Uh, I want to say roster construction, okay. but I also feel like it's kind of, that's kind of a cop-out. Mm-hmm. So I'll go with injuries because okay. they've lost or had a lot of critical players banged up offensively. I think Mike and Winnie and Cole Strange being in and out of the lineup, missing pretty much the entire summer from Winnie the whole summer for Cole Strange almost all training camp in the preseason. That's been huge because you got a pocket passer in Mac Jones who already regressed last season because of all the issues up front. And Mike and William Cole Strange were healthy and in the lineup, and obviously Cole Strange was still learning as a rookie and had his struggles, but this season, having to start rookies at both guard spots, and having these guys, when they start and can play, they don't finish games, and that's been huge, because I think right tackle, obviously a lightning rod for criticism, but if you add stability inside, that's just one position you got to shore up, and there's ways around that, but when it's multiple, that's when things get really tough. So there's that. Uh, Devontae Parker, I'm not sure if it's the knee or what, but it seems like the player we saw in the summer and during training camp who's catching deep balls in every single practice, he's gone. And you're not seeing the same juice. You're, he's not finishing plays as we saw. You know, it, I guess the finishing isn't there consistently, but also like the route effort has been kind of weird. So, effort. It feels like effort for yeah. him. It's annoying. Effort. So, you, you know, you want to say it's the injury that he had early on in the season, but you're I'm not even sure. So I'm not going to go too into that one. Right. Uh, but then defensively, those are the really big ones. You lose Christian Gonzalez, who walked onto the field as maybe your best player on defense. Yep. And then your veteran most, and best player on defense and Matt Judon goes down in the same game. Like, and then you got Jonathan Jones who's been in and out because he's hurt added a knee injury on top of his ankle injury uh, there's just a lot of pieces and Daniel Acquale, let me shout him out as well because he's a guy especially Bills week he's had a lot of good games against the Bills yep. and he's out so Sam Roberts has had to step up and he's more of a run defender than a pass rusher so there's been a lot of shots at key positions for them that I think have really held the team back overall and as much as it's made all the other holes on the roster look bad I think if those guys are healthy for you you've got at least a couple more wins or at least there's more hope that you can salvage this season uh, but as it stands right now like those guys being missing has been a big factor in their losses
0: yeah I would agree I think obviously injuries um, have played a huge part of it especially on the defensive side with Gonzalez who like you said came in here and was arguably your best player through two three weeks whenever however long he played um, Matthew Judon going out obviously a struggle too um, my again top reason is the offensive line and whether it is those injuries with Cole Strange with Unwenu. Um even if those guys came in and were sort of the the top dogs along the offensive line, I still think that they would be struggling there a little bit. And I think it really does sort of stem from that, um, especially offensively because, and I know I talked about it with you on your show um, the other night, but I've sort of talked about it here on six ranks as well. And, you know, tweeted about it, like looking at, and I, I keep comparing it to the USC game from this weekend where Caleb Williams, the best quarterback in football, Lincoln Riley, the best play caller in football, um, one of the best offenses in general in football, USC. Caleb Williams, a guy who was leading the or the NCAA in touchdown passes, like he all of a sudden gets pressured from you know inside, outside, wherever, and then he's running around like he has no idea what's going on. And their offense, you know, obviously they lose that game, and it all really stems from the offensive line. It messes up your timing, it messes up your rhythm as a quarterback, it messes up um, timing with your receivers. And so it really stems from there. And that's been the struggle all season long. And, you know, it could be injuries. It could just be poor, like you said, roster construction um, from Bill Belichick. It could be the coaching with Adrian Clem, whether he's not getting through to them, whether it's top down. Um, We don't really know from the outside looking in uh, coaching wise. But I do think just the lack of talent and play from the offensive line has certainly been, again, the top reason why this team sits at one and five. So. Let's go from negatives to positives. I know it's hard to find, um, but let's go with your top positive uh, from the Patriots uh, from this 2023 season.
1: From the whole season? Um, <clears throat> that's a tough
0: Take your one. time. I like think. I said, it's a hard one.
1: Honestly, that really is hard. Um, I guess I would probably have to say the play from the linebacking corps. Okay. To pick anything because I feel like there's been so much inconsistency in the secondary and the defensive front. Like the pass rush is pretty much gone. Run defense has mostly been really good, but they've had their ups and downs. Uh, but I feel like Jelani Tavai has been stacking good yeah, games is. the past few weeks. Uh, he spoke to the media yesterday, um, and it's been good to see him kind of continue to rise as someone who came to the team and people weren't really expecting much. And Jawan Bentley, like, mm-hmm. continues to be a well rounded player. Hasn't had a perfect season, but still, like, one of your key cogs in the run game with his physicality basically being like a defensive lineman at the second level, but also being so um, well-versed in the defense that he's great at getting to his spots and reducing big plays in his area and then being a pretty sound tackler as well. So if there's been a bright spot where I feel like there's been consistent productivity in in, uh, production, or at least more than any other unit, I'd probably have to say it's the linebacking core.
0: All right. Um, I don't disagree. I I do. I think I've been a a critic of Jelani Tavai in the past from last season to this year just you know, the way that they've sort of talked about and shown that they wanted to get, you know, faster and not, not smaller at the position, but, you know, more athletic. And then they relied on this guy who felt like he had rocks in his cleats last season and couldn't really get, you know, get lateral, but he has impressed. He's been solid for um this defense, but, and same with Bentley too. Bentley's been awesome. I think he's the leader of this team. He'll be, he signed the extension. He'll be around here for a while, but um as far as positives for me, I think the first one and. This is sort of looking into the future because he is going to be out for a while. But, I mean, the fact that they hit on Christian Gonzalez yeah. was massive. Um, he was great early. Um, we mentioned him in the last sort of question that he was um, their best defender through the first few weeks. I think the fact that you can build on that and actually um, it really looks like you hit on a first-round pick moving forward, that is something to uh, something to be positive about. The other one is Kendrick Bourne. I think he's been great, especially last week. And he, he has his ebbs and flows, and sometimes he's not excellent, maybe gets – um, I don't want to call him lazy in his running, but sometimes that sort of falls off. But um, last week, he was awesome. I think this sort of goes into our next question. Um, but I do think Kendrick Bourne uh, is really, you know, turning into Mac. Mac Jones says he has a lot of confidence in Devontae Parker. He says he has a lot of confidence in everybody. Uh, but I really think his top sort of pass catcher wide receiver that he can rely on and, you know, get the ball to and go to um, situations has I been mean Kendrick Bourne. So with that being said, Kendrick Bourne is in a contract year. Uh, the Patriots have plenty of guys in contract years they haven't really done anything or moved on any of them as far as extensions go um, with the trade deadline coming up in two weeks and the fact that this team is sitting at one and five and will probably end up being more so sellers than buyers um, who do you think is the Patriots top trade candidate where um, not only that they might be able to get the most from but um, a guy who you could actually see them moving on from uh, in these next couple
1: weeks It's got to be Josh Uche, right? Like Jeremy Fowler reported uh, that his foot injury isn't considered to be a long-term issue. And that's big because without Matt Judon, the thought was, okay, Josh Uche, your time to shine. And it feels like offensive tackles at – Adjusted more to his game like last season because he hasn 't played a ton of snaps. I feel like the book wasn 't quite out on him yet, and he was able to get a lot of pressure against offensive tackles with his speed and kind of with uh the ghost move where you make it look like you 're going to bull rush, you take the hand and you dip underneath yeah. that gave people a lot of trouble last year now you 're seeing offensive tackles play him a lot more patiently, and that 's kind of forcing him to try to convert his speed rushes to power. And that's not working because he doesn't have a lot of power to begin with. So if like offensive linemen aren't like kicking back quickly to try to uh, Protecting against speed and they're really like well balanced and kind of waiting yeah. for him to come to them. Then those bull rushes, maybe you get like a step back from the tackles, but there's not a whole lot there. So I think as quickly as possible, you try to sell on him uh, to a team that maybe has pass rush depth, pass rush depth, yeah. where he can be maybe the second or third guy, like he was here with Judon and really let him thrive in another situation for a contender or somebody who needs like an extra bit of juice there. And I feel like he's the only person who's going to get you a, High pick as well I think maybe like A conditional second We talked about yeah. um, Probably a third Is like is more likely uh, But at the same time You know I know Evan Lazar When we talked He mentioned how Uche does much better In the second half of the season But if that doesn't happen Then he hits the market And with a right. depreciated Pass rush market Because there's so many Good edge rushers right now Especially in the draft Then there's a chance That he signs for a modest deal Elsewhere And you don't get anything But like a fourth or fifth round Compensatory pick back And that's I think A worst case scenario So he's not doing much for you He's not an every down player right now. Anthony Jennings has really kind of become that guy that they use on every down more often. So yeah, I think you just give it all to Anthony Jennings and you try to get out of the Uche situation as best you can.
0: Yeah, I I, I would agree. I think, um, with everything that's been, you know, reported on, um, with Uche lately, like you said, with the fact that his foot injury isn't going to be, um, you know, a long-term issue. Uh, the fact that I think it was Henry McKenna yesterday from Fox sports reported that there haven't been any contract discussions with him as of late. Um, I mean that's easy like if like you mentioned, if you do not sell on this guy and then he gets to the off season and you don't extend him like that's just the kind of stuff that you know it ticks me off with i I think about you know I've, over the last ten years, I've thought more about the trade deadline in like a sport like baseball rather than football because. The NFL trade deadline hasn't really only over the last couple of years it's sort of turned into this, you know, major thing. I think people are, you know, starting to move pieces and that sort of buyers or sellers thing that everyone talks about in baseball has really come forward in football. And the Patriots haven't really had to be sellers. So like I haven't really thought about it in this context, but with these guys like Uche, with Bourne, with, you know, Henry and Duggar and Unwenu and all these guys who you know, if you just let them all walk and you got nothing for them, like that's the stuff that's going to tick me off even more with this team after starting one and five. You got to get value for these guys. So um, I do think Uche is probably the guy you'd get the most for. And the fact that it's been reported they haven't had those discussions for um, an extension going into next season and beyond, um, that one feels obvious. Um, I do think Kendrick Bourne, too, could help a team, uh, whether it's like, you know, I, I think of, you know, Super Bowl contenders like Kansas City who don't really have um, a deep wide receiving core, I think. I mean, Kendrick Bourne has done, despite being in, you know, the doghouse he was in last year, I feel like he's been sort of a, a consummate pro here, um, says all the right things, you know, has a good can-do type of attitude that I think would be awesome in a place like Kansas City. So, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they if they sold on him, too. I don't know how much you could get for him, but um, as far as, you know, building blocks, which we'll get to in the next question, I also, if Kendrick Bourne wants to be here for the rebuild and be here for the long haul, that's the kind of guy I would love to build around if he is willing to sign an extension or you know sign next offseason moving forward. But um, with the performance he's put on as of late, I also think he's a decent um, trade candidate to try and move on from. So, talking about that, talking about the future, selling on these guys in contract years. Clearly, you know we've we've talked quarterbacks. You've talked quarterbacks on your podcast. Um, you know rookies and guys coming in. This is a rebuilding team, and this is a team that isn't really going for anything this year. But moving forward, what would you say? Who would you say? Whether it's offense, whether it's defense, whether you want to give one for both, is the top building block on this Patriots team moving forward into 2024 and beyond. I
1: feel like Christian Gonzalez is right at the top of the list. Like, a guy who, if he had continued at the pace he was on you know jalen carter's fantastic and unless but unless he put up like ungodly numbers it was probably going to be gonzalez defensive rookie yeah. of the year but at the same time if he got that award in impressive fashion as their top corner that would have been you know sneaky kind of not quite micah parsons obviously he's truly generational talent but the kind of thing where the only reason he didn't get defensive player of the year was because he was a rookie and everyone talks about it like he should win it but we're giving it to tj walk because he had a great season you know all that but runaway defensive rookie of the year Christian Gonzalez I think would have been in a similar conversation where if he's performing well every week against number one receivers it's like well how do you not at least sneak his name in there like he's what he's that guy who gets the one surprise vote just because you know he's a rookie again Micah Parsons situation um so I think he's the no-brainer on defense I also love Keon White and Marte Mapu I think the versatility isn't there as much as I thought because his physicality against the run hasn't been as impressive as I hope, but he's still young. I think, honestly, his future's at free safety, and if you put him there and is more of a like further away from the line of scrimmage role, yeah, yeah. and Keon White develops, like I think that's a really great defensive core, along with the Juwan Bentley. Um, so yeah, for Christian Gonzalez, defensively, I think it's him. Offensively, it's really tough because it I is. want to say like a, a Mike and Winnie a Cole Strange, but they're hurt. And Strange, we don't even know what he really is at this point. Um, so and, and then you can't like allowed Hunter to get too. You're allowed to yeah because <laughs> Kendrick, Born and Hunter Henry, else were in contract years. So yeah, I yeah. I don't think they have. That's really scary to yeah. say, man, but they don't have a building block on offense. You would have hoped it would have been Devontae Parker contract-wise. Uh, maybe Pop. I, you okay. know, I, I think it's got to be him because he's the only one who gets explosiveness. He has that, you know, big slot role on their offense. Um, so I would say he's probably the only piece you really have to say, all right, for the foreseeable future, let's, you know, have an offense that complements what he does well and maybe puts him in a position where he doesn't have to be the building block. He can just be a building block. Right. So
0: Yeah, it is. It's it's tough to to think about it that way, that, you know, the one guy we, we think this team could build around offensively is a six-round pick who they took after Keyshawn Booty and after all these other guys. And
1: you know, nothing against
0: Pop, but um, – you know, there should be more... Ideal. Yeah, it's not ideal. There should be more sort of capital given to that. And um, it's not
1: a Julian Edelman where it's like, yeah, he was a late-round pick, but at the same time, it's been like three years right, he's right. developed, and now you know what he is. Exactly. It's like you don't even know what Pop yeah. is. That's what makes it... That's why the six-round pick thing is big, because it's like not only was he a late-round pick, game. but we don't know what he is at the NFL level consistently. Right,
0: we're talking about building around a guy who's played, you know, less than six games in the NFL already. Yeah. Um, I would agree, though, with Gonzalez. same reason why he's the top positive this season is because... Despite being 1-5, you can really build around that guy moving forward. There's plenty of promise. Showed that he can guard some of the best wide receivers in football You know, in the first three weeks of ever suiting up. Um, so that's, that's the guy, clear as day. I think you're right. He could have made a run of Defensive Rookie of the Year, and I wouldn't have been shocked if he did play out the full season if he got a tally or two as Defensive Player of the Year. That, that kid really is a stud, and I am. I'm looking forward to uh, watching him play here for the rest of his career. So that's sort of the, uh, the quick state of the Patriots as we sit here at 1-5. Um one last question for you Taylor. You guys can get my prediction and pick um on tomorrow's episode or on yeah, Thursday morning's episode of Six Rings of Football things. I'm I'm thinking, you know, I'm workshopping it in my brain when these are actually going to be posted and it actually will already be on the feed if you listen to myself and Andy's uh Crucial Clashes podcast for Thursday against the Bills. I'll give my prediction there, but here is Taylor Kyle's Taylor what do you think happens this week against the Buffalo Bills? How do the Patriots match up, and uh, how, does, uh, how does the matchup end up playing out?
1: I mean, really, I think it's going to be ugly. Big surprise, I know. Yeah, right. It's not like the Bills have wiped the floor with New England in recent history. Um, but, yeah, like defensively it's really tough because, like I kind of alluded to, you have no pass rush. And beyond that, I don't think the run, run lane discipline or rush lane discipline has been great. And against Josh Allen, that's a killer. Because not only is he going to have time, but he's probably going to be able to scramble. Right. And that puts a lot of pressure on the back end, which might not even have Jonathan Jones. On top of that, the Bills have a really good rushing offense. They're like third in EPA um, per play, which is uh, consistency, and or I'm sorry, yeah, is consistency and then um, and explosiveness. So you have to respect both, which isn't something you typically have to do with the Bills' offense. It's like yeah, run on us, but no Josh Allen, but James Cook can right. rip off chunk plays, and you don't really want him to get comfortable. That's the
0: thing with sorry to cut you off, but That's mm. the thing with the uh, the Bills' offense, especially this year. Is like everyone talks they don't have a rushing threat, and it's all Josh Allen and the Patriots have sort of contained Josh Allen in the run game, but James Cook has emerged as, you know, one of their, their top guys in the run game.
1: So. Yeah, and then you got Latavius Murray, right. who it feels like he keeps bouncing around teams and every single time he lands somewhere, it's like, oh my God, he still looks 25. <laughs> yeah, it's right. like, he's just not a bell cow, sure, but like he's still a good downhill runner who makes right. big plays everywhere he goes. So he's another threat. Osiris Torrance um, is a, what, it's like a mauler in the run game. Yeah. Um, I'm still doing my research. I need to see how much exactly he's playing, but uh, their entire offensive line is a really solid unit. Uh, so I'm not... Not sure they're gonna be able to stop Josh Allen, to be very honest. And then when it comes to the Patriots offense. Bill Belichick and Mac Jones both called the Bills pass rush the best pass yep. rush in the NFL.
0: Most sacks in the NFL this year.
1: Yep. And last year they had trouble against AJ Epinesa and Gregory Russo. Um, now they've also got Leonard Floyd. So he got depth and guys who have history against your front uh, having success. And then Ed Oliver against like an Antonio Maffi, who's almost definitely gonna have to start again. Might even be City So as well. They haven't been able to stop um, twists up front, like they're losing to the same thing every week. And Mafi's also struggled one-on-one, so there's not a lot of bright spots from him recently, unfortunately. Um, So if you have to drop back and pass, it's not going to be good. I think they have a chance in the run game if they stick to it, because the Bills are very boomer bust. They create a lot of negative plays, but that aggressiveness also leads to them giving up a lot of uh, positive plays for the offenses, so... The Patriots can run the ball, control the game, which is just, like, so out of character for them. The run game has been good when they lean on their downhill stuff. But in terms of really controlling a game, they haven't been consistent enough to do that. So that's putting a lot on their plate and expecting something that we haven't seen. But I really think that's the only way that you even keep this game competitive is just run, run, run. Like, basically, the script they had in yeah. that game where Mac threw, like, four times. Like, literally, just try to throw as little as possible and keep Josh Allen on the sidelines.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Um, It's going to be a struggle. Again, you can uh, that's Taylor's prediction. You can listen to mine on the Crucial Clashes episode of Six Rings and Football Things this week with myself and Andy Hart. He's Taylor Kyles. Taylor, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Mike, thank you so much for having me today.
0: (laughs) You can follow him on Twitter at tkyles39. Read all of his uh, written analysis at clnsmedia.com. Again, he's the uh, Patriots beat reporter over there. Uh, That is it for Six Rings and Football Things today from Gillette Stadium as we preview Patriots versus Bills. Uh, I'm Mike Cadlick. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Cadlick. You can make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the Six Rings and Football Things podcast here and on the Odyssey app. Um, A reminder that Six Rings is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more at FanDuel. And until next time, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon.